Hi, this is Jason Lee, pastor of Casper Alliance Church. Uh, thank you for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast. Uh, this is uh, week four in our study on Acts, our look at Acts, our overview of Acts. Um, depending on what type of person you are, what kind of learner you are, uh, I tend not to be a teacher, more of a preacher, if you've listened to us in the past. And so uh, this week we're talking about culture. And um, I would encourage you to go to... Uh, our website and look at the actual visual. I use nesting dolls to describe culture. It's probably a better look than it is like listening to it online. But it still, uh, we, we're talking about culture and how we set culture going from our um, what everybody sees, what everybody feels, down to the systems and the structures to the individual and how the individual is important and the individual can create chaos and also uh, builds everything. So uh, this week is about culture and the culture of the church specifically. And we hope you enjoy it. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or if you'd like to download our app, you can go to your app store on your smart device. Look for Casper Alliance Church with the double black C's. Download the app. You'll be connected with us there. Have a great week. talk about uh we're gonna mean acts three through six today all of it oh yeah yeah and let me say something real quick i keep forgetting about these things you can read in a second um we talk a lot about culture uh or i talk about a lot about cultures this morning's gonna be all about culture and um and the culture of the church when i when i was at first started in ministry in 2003 i wanted my youth group to be able to sing to have a worship culture to where like if you came you were worshiping and that, like you know I was 25 26 years old back then or seven I was seven years old back then <laughs> and we would the only songs that I could sing where I knew I could start a cappella, and um I could remember the words <laughs> was you are my all in all and uh sanctuary do you know sanctuary? Mm-hmm. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Those are the only two songs I knew that I could I could start at the right note so we'd finish at the right note and that over time if we did it regularly and practiced it regularly the youth group that I was leading would eventually have a spirit of worship because we were consistent in it so eventually over time when people hear and sing worship songs it, especially if you're doing the same ones every Wednesday night for like six months, somebody goes, can we do a different song? <laughs> and then you do a different song, but you, the culture is set because you practiced it and you did it and you practiced it and you did it. So this morning when we were singing that, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about culture and I'm like, huh. And then you do it acapella and I'm like, huh. Lord well, I guess we'll sing Sanctuary then too. Go ahead and read for us this morning. Okay. And read from Acts 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. 
So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon. Pumba. <laughs> yeah. Permenas and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council, council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Thank you. So I learned something today. If you need some sort of obscure item, call the Scots because they have it. They have anything and everything you could ever want if it's obscure and weird. And so this morning I came in the sanctuary and I was like, I need some nesting dolls. And um, Marie's like, we have nesting dolls? Of course you have nesting dolls. And not just nesting dolls, they have nesting dolls from Moscow, right? So they have like the true, what are they called? Did anybody figure it out? Anybody Google it yet? The, they're not just nesting dolls, they're um, mere, me. there we go, matros. Jeshua, come up here. Come here. Thanks for sitting in church by yourself. This is Jeshua. Jeshua always knows the answer to something. I've led some student ministry in this church, and if you get the joy of leading student ministry in this church, Jeshua will be your answer man. He'll have an answer for you, or you'll end up talking about who? Say it. Hitler? Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> always. It always devolves to Hitler at youth group. I promise. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, nesting dolls. So when we're talking about culture this morning, there's three things. Culture, I wrote up on the board, practices and structures. The culture is the thing that you see. The thing that you feel, the thing when you walk into a space, a business, an organization, you can kind of tell the culture. You can tell, and let's just even make it as simple. It's, it's a good culture or a bad culture, not like specific culture things, but you, you can either sense, this is, a, this is a okay place, or this is like, ah, I kind of got a weird vibe about what's going on in this environment. So you, 
uh, churches have that. Every, every organization has a culture. And so every leader of every organization is trying to set, establish, and build the culture. And the beautiful thing is the leaders get to decide and kind of help through their leadership teams to determine what they want the culture to look like and hope for it to look like or even develop. Well, Acts, Acts is put into like kind of three big sections. At least that's how I've categorized it. It's the church is established in this first kind of few six chapters. The church uh, is enlarged over like 15 chapters. And then the church explodes to the end of the planet. And, and that's kind of how Acts is, is set up uh, in a way that, that we, so that we can read it. But this first kind of section here is about the church being established, which is all about culture. And how, what kind of culture are we going to establish? What are people going to know us by? And as a church, I, I said this earlier during announcements, I believe so much in transparency. I think the best way to root out conflict or, or frustration is just to be open about it, to talk about it, to say, hey, yeah, I screwed up or we need to be better at it or like whatever, right? Like, but talking about it is okay. And not just like a one-way talking about it to where like I get to talk about it and you don't get to respond because it's my rules. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about having a regular dialogue. But the, the deal is, is we're trying to build a culture to where no matter what happens to whoever's here in this particular room at this particular time, we know that like, if, like next Sunday, if you come, it'll be a different group of people. It's just how it works. Um, because we're like trying to squeak out those last good weekends of before this place turns into a desolate plain of hate. That was my criticism of Wyoming. That's all I got. Winter is awful. Uh, but it's not as bad as Michigan winter or Minnesota winter. But the culture is, is the thing that you see, the, the, the very, the thing you can grab and taste and touch, right? The, the beautiful... This is a great, just my own personal illustration for me. <laughs> Behind culture are your practices, the things in which you're doing regularly. The thing that you're, you're, and once you, once you dig past the culture just a little bit, you can see what a church is doing practice-wise. Systems, or systems is what we, I don't like the word system because it implies um, that it doesn't involve people sometimes. <laughs> but, um, it's practices. It's what we do and how we do it and why we do it. It's, and it shapes, it shapes our culture. So our systems shape who we're going to be, right? And then inside of that, in a church environment, you have structure. Where do our systems live? And so like the worship gathering, this, this could be a system, but it's also a structure that inhabits our systems, you're like, what? No, like the idea that I put on the weekly schedule that we're going to meet at 11 o'clock and come together and we're going to do these uh, things, like I'm going to talk at you, we're going to say announcements, um, so we're going to sing some songs. That's a structure. It's a worship structure. We have it. It's here to show up. Now, from that, we're hoping that some cultural things happen. And so in order to make those cultural things happen, we have to have systems within, and I'm getting too, you know, down in the weeds maybe a little bit, but, but there has to be things that happen in the church in order for uh, the culture to take shape. Okay, so for example, I don't like to take an offering. We're never going to take an offering. I've been kicked in the knees for it. But there's a box back here that if you were so inclined to be generous with your finances, um, we, you can put money in there. 
but every church has to have a giving system in order for it to exist. Like the church won't exist if we never, if we're like, every time you were to give a check, we're like, nah, we're good. Like it wouldn't be long before we like, the bank would be like, nah, we're good. We're going to take your building. So there has to be a system by which a financial system, there has to be, okay, anyway, I'll get into that. But behind, now here's where it gets really fun. I think that those are the three, like the culture is the thing you touch and feel and taste and you can put salt on and eat it. Um, the systems are what build this culture. Uh, the, practice, the structures are where all those things live. Now here, here is the, the, the grand pumba of them all, which we're not even gonna talk about. It's personality. And this is an infection to the entire culture. Look at the first, I'm, we're not, we're not going to camp out here very long. But if you look at the first words that said in 6, Acts 6, but the believers rapidly multiplied and there were rumblings of discontent. People were annoyed. And they started to have an opinion. Or maybe, maybe this isn't called personality, maybe this is called opinion. And you know how fast opinions can derail structures and systems and eventually shape and change the culture? Think about your own work environments. Like you're nine to five, Monday through Friday, as soon as somebody has a strong enough opinion, all of a sudden there's a new practice or a new structure and a new policy and a new this and a new that. And all of a sudden everything looks a little bit different than what it did a little while ago. If I, sorry, I'm just looking at you, doc. You know, I, I'm married to a doctor and uh, she worked at Wayne State University for a while. And we, she oftentimes talked about, uh, she got offered to work at Vanderbilt one time because she knew people there. Well, that's really cool now. Think about that, right? My kids could have went to college for free. Now I got to figure out how to pay for it. Um, we looked at one time at going to, to Purdue. Um, she had a potential opportunity there. Can you imagine like how much things have changed on the college campus in like five years? You know this, right? It's crazy. The culture of campus is so different than what it was five years ago. It's changing so fast because after opinions comes the ugliest thing of all, and that's individuals. <laughs> because at the core of us individuals, we're all broken, sinful, selfish people. And we're supposed to build this thing that's the church to have this incredible culture in the community or when you come here and experience it. And, and from the beginning, when we add us to the mix, it gets uber complicated really fast. And as you start to stack everything together and all of the different reasons and whys and the, the, what we were trying to accomplish and vision and values and all those things, it's all built, baked into the cake, as they say, into this thing that then says what our culture is or what you feel as our culture. Well, when you fill it with people like you, Steve, sometimes the culture's head's on backwards. <laughs> I got many more where those came from. <laughs> All right, here we go. Joy's like, don't talk to my husband like that. I'll fight you. <laughs> okay, so next month, next, here's a culture thing. Here's something that I know is true as I came here to this church. This church is so different than four years ago. And people who've been in this church 25 years know that it's different. You look around, there's people in this room that you might not even know who each other are at this point yet. This church has a culture of generosity. 
It's generous. You know who it's generous to? And I've joked about it. This church loves pastors that don't even deserve it in a way that's special and unique and beautiful. But that's built so the culture and what you feel is generosity. But it's so one of the one of the practices that they do here, and this isn't a promo, by the way. This is gonna sound like a promo, isn't it? How do I do that? No. Okay, here we go. This church is very generous for Pastor Appreciation Month, which is next month, right? You just are. You have been. You 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 were to the previous four other pastors before most of your time. Um, I asked because of that is something I want to double down on as far as culture here at this church. So there, as far as I can tell, I'm the fifth pastor at Casper Alliance Church in its history, as far as I can tell. And um, we have bought four cards for four pastors who are pastors in this church. And we are going to send them appreciation cards next month. And we would ask that you would sign them. So Pastor Bergen is no longer with us. But we're going to send, um, send his daughter a card saying thank you for leading this church. And we're going to put, we're going to put a dinner gift card. We're going to buy them dinner from our, our own budget. Pastor White, who's now pastoring in Minnesota, Kenny, um, we're going to send them a thing. You might not know who these people are. In fact, you shouldn't probably know who these people are. But we're going to ask you to say thank you for leading this church at this particular time. I want this, these cards to be filled with signatures from this church saying thanks for leading Casper Alliance Church. And we're gonna, we're gonna send the four previous pastors of this church, their families dinner on us in October. What does that do? This is a practice that says we're, we love people and we are grateful for the impact that you had on us. And we wanna be generous. It's a reflection of our generosity. Right? This is, so I, I asked, let's do this. This is a, a, a very practical thing that we can do. Now, I'm not going to get in the weeds here, but some of you are looking at a name on here and going, no, I don't want to do that. You know what else that we say at Casper Alliance Church? When you come into this place, and I've heard this from other people, um, Jesus is there. I've heard it from multiple pastors. We've, we've stolen some people from other churches because they've come into this place and said, Jesus is that I can sense the presence of God in this place. The gospel's preached. You know what the gospel is? This is a sub-sermon for a very select group of you in this room. It's all about forgiveness. And when we can live out forgiveness, that says so much more about us than it says about the person who wounded us. And so I want us to have a culture of gospel-centered life here, which means we are generous with our forgiveness. And we say, we love you, and we, pat, and we say, we hope that you have a blessed, wonderful life, and you follow Jesus. That's what forgiveness looks like. And so we're going to fill these cards up. There's going to be a little thing back there that you can just go sign your name. And I'm not forcing everybody to do it, but I'd love to see every, these cards filled. We're going to throw some meal gift cards in there, send them off to them, they'll get it in the mail, and they'll be, some of them will be like, I don't even remember pastoring Casper Alliance Church. <laughs> some of them will think of people specifically in this church that they might have conflict with. Some of them will go, someone, I, I believe that there'll be people, there'll be a family, one of the families will receive this and go, wow. Wow. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. And that's what we want to do. That's who we want to be. All right.
culture. Let's look at the text. Let's look at just high points. We're not gonna, I'm gonna start at three, right? Chapter three. Here's what's going on. As, as, as soon as the church is gathered and they start to do these things, God starts adding to their number. At the end of Acts 2, they're teaching. They're hanging out in the temple. They're praying together. They're sharing meals together. They're gathering people and the church starts to just grow and grow and grow. And they're like, whoa, the bigger we grow, the more complicated it gets. We're this big structure and people are coming to Christ regularly. And so then, then they, the disciples, the apostles step out and they say, what should we do? And here's what we're going to do. We're just going to, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of the text. This is why I asked like a few weeks ago, just read through it. But here's what happened. Peter and John, they go out and they start preaching and they start healing and they go out with power and authority in the word. And the spirit of God is just moving on them. And they're, and they're, they're preaching in the temple and they're looking for every opportunity to talk about Jesus and teach about the resurrection and bring people into the fold. They're saying, you know what? This is what we're supposed to do. God said we would be anointed with his power to go share the good news. Let's go share it. And they're immediately just motivated and, and, and excited and going wild preaching the good news. And it's not long. It's not long um, before, before they come up some opposition. And people start to go, hmm. I don't know if I like this. Let's look at uh, Acts 4. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests and the captain of the temple guard and some of the Sadducees. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there is a resurrection of the dead. They arrested them, and since it was already evening, they put them in jail until the morning. But many of the people who heard their message believed it so that the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. So they're getting confronted, arrested, and pulled out. But in the meantime, God added 5,000 more souls to his kingdom and specifically to the church. 5,000 people are like, I'm in on this, whatever. This, this is crazy talk and they're arresting him. But like, you know, I, is it your instinct to follow someone who gets arrested? I mean, maybe we might get the opportunity. You're like, ah, that guy, he was a drug dealer. I'm following him. We don't do, that's like, you don't usually follow the criminal into the place where the criminal lives. But the, but the message of Jesus, it was surpassing everybody in, in their understanding, in their mind, and their people receiving it. That can only come from the spirit of God. They can only come through anointed preaching and teaching and like this thing where, where, where God was using these men to just blow up and expand the church. It was a, So the next day, the council of all the rulers, verse five, and the elders and teachers and religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power, whose name, have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders, now here's the deal, he preached the same thing he's already preached. Round two. Round two. Like the same message. I was joking this morning um, that... It seems like right now every message lands at the same spot for me. I guess it's a biblical practice that you do that. <laughs> but like, but like I, I keep landing in the same space in my head. I'm like, I need to change this because I'm just, I can't preach the same thing every week. Maybe you can. I mean, it was effective for Peter. 
And uh, Acts 4.12 is, is like the, the linchpin to salvation. It's like there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And that name is Jesus. And Peter stands and preaches and preaches hard. And then people go, Phew. the council threatened him, verse 21. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for miraculous sign, the healing of the man who had been lame for 40 years. And then what happens is the believers start to pray for this very specific thing, right? And this is, this is cultural within the first church. They started to pray for courage. Give us boldness. Give, give us boldness. Now here's, when you would describe Peter, you would, most of us, if we were to describe him from what we understand him biblically, we would say that he's bold. We'd also say that he's a doofus, but we'd say that he's bold. He, he and this is something they were asking God for. And so when people would meet Peter, they would see the boldness of who he was, built in experience, built in his own practices, built in all of these different things, but they would see and experience the boldness. Now the, the church, as it's gathering, is starting to say, let us be like that, so that when people see us, they see our boldness in Jesus. They see who we are, and they, they I mean, I love that Luke captures it for us. They pray that they would be bold. Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with feudal plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this is what happened here in the very city. And it goes on and boldness and boldness and boldness. And verse 31, after this prayer, the, pl the meeting place shook and they're all filled with the spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So something that they witnessed in Peter and in John they asked for, and they said, we want this to be part of who we are, to be the culture of this church that we are now forming. And they did it because God honored and set it up. Now, let's just get into the weeds just a minute. They prayed for boldness. That's a, that's a practice. Let's pray. So one of the things, if we're gonna, if we're gonna have things happen, that's very generic, have things happen in this church or people experience things in this church, we have to have some sort of practice to make it happen. They practiced praying. They did the prayer stuff and God showed up. So prayer is a system or a practice that we can have in a church to have our culture shaped and built. After this, they get into one of the crazier stories in all of scripture, I think. And I don't know how to talk about it. Just, you guys, give all your money away, please. <laughs> but they created a community, right? And they said, let's just share. Let's be together. This, this whole, like, Jesus thing can't be too long. He's coming back. I mean, I really think that that's kind of the thought process. So let's just... Let's, <laughs> Let's make a commune and get together. Has anybody ever lived in a dorm room before? They're not effective places to have life, really. Biological life, like growing fungus and stuff, for sure. Communes are like horrible environments. They're just not great. Have you ever lived in a commune that was like designed as a commune? You have stories. And so, but that's what they did. They said, let's share it, let's sell it all, share it all, and let's be together. Because there's power in what we're doing together and we're seeing lives change. I think that if we found something that was like effective like that and we were like, you know what? People are coming to Christ and it's because we're waxing cars with turtle wax. 
And that's how we're doing it. And so we would just gather together and wax cars with turtle wax. And if it was working, we just, let's keep doing it. Let's go by. We would grab a hold of the thing that's working and just continue to try to do it. That's how we have done church ever since, right? But this is what, like, let's just be together and continue to pray and seek the Lord for boldness. And God's just continuing to add and people are coming. So let's just keep doing it. This isn't a criticism or it's just an acknowledgement that, that that's how we do life. And, and if you add the Jesus piece to it, we would adopt similar kind of behaviors that like were effective or worked. But here they go. They added, they, the apostles testified powerfully, verse 33, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles and give them give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which is a son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in your mission. I believe in your vision. I believe in who you are. And I want to give to that so that it can continue to go. When you have a culture that, that people can put their hands and touch and feel and go, that's special, that's powerful, and I want to be, the money just comes. God's not going to shortchange that group. This is why I think it's so important for us to continue to be a church that's so centered on preaching the good news. This is why I think it's important for us to bless those who've led this place because we are here for such a time as this that we're going to acknowledge backwards those who like led this place in a way that's going to say we are advancing the kingdom of God here and we acknowledge your place in this church at one point, but we are moving and we're excited. Thank you for getting us to where we are right now. And that's, that's how I see the, what we do. And we can say, when Jesus, the spirit of God is on us, we will preach the good news. And I believe that that culture is caught and people go, I want to be behind that. The churches um, can gimmick themselves to growth, but a real, real church growth comes from when the culture is about Jesus and advancing his kingdom. Amen. And that's who we're going to be. And that's who we've tried to continue to be. All right, now here we go. Crazy story, and then we're going to get into the, the uh, we're just going to be done here shortly. I think you get it. I don't need to belabor it. So Ananias and Sapphira. When I was a kid, this story scared me. It just scared the boogers out of me. I, would, I had a paper route. I made about 60 bucks a month, and I would like legitimately get that check for $60, and I was like 12 years old. I'm like, do I have to give all of this to Jesus? Is he going to kill me? Like that was, the, that was like the thing that was going through my brain. If I don't give this $60 to Jesus, am I going to not have a life anymore? Now, if you grew up as an Awana kid, you know the stories. I grew up, I was a spark, man. I still got the vest and the jewels and all of it. It doesn't fit, but I got it. But I knew the stories. I was a church kid. And this is crazy. You, if you don't give, if you hold something back for yourself, you will die. This might be the PTSD to why I don't talk about money very often in the church. Because I don't want to be responsible. <laughs> I just get a call from Anita. Like, Rick's no longer with us. We forgot to tithe last weekend. I'm like, What? <laughs> Like, I don't want to be responsible for that nonsense. So you can see as a church kid and reading this story, you're like, 
this is bonkers. What's going on? There's a deceptiveness to the heart of God's people. See, when you take the nesting dolls, again, and you find that one, and that one says, I'm going to do it how I want to do it regardless of what I've been called to. I'm going to live sinfully. I'm going to live sinfully in a way that's going to be corruptible to the entire system. This thing can destroy an entire space of church life. Thousands of churches in 2,000 years of church life have been destroyed by the one who've infected it culturally with their own wants and desires or selfishness or pervasive sin um, and just have from the inside out caused the sickness that's caused the church just to go, we no longer exist. Now, I, I'm, I don't know how to interpret the story of Ananias and Sapphira being wiped off the planet and if that's going to be replicated. I'll be transparent, though. I think that every now and again, some of the leaders that we love get wiped off the planet because they don't want them to, like, I think of Ravi Zacharias, our guy, who we wanted to be the president of our denomination, got all caught up in a scandal God said, you know, it's time for you to be with me. <laughs> no more fake life. I, sometimes I think that way, yeah. just to be transparent. So the point is, is not to be like, hey, give all your money or you're going to die. <laughs> when you're 5, 7, 8, 12, you kind of think that way. But it's what sort of selfish ambition am I trying to impose on the church that Jesus died for? What sort of thing am I doing in a way that's going to corrupt or shape the culture to where it doesn't look like a Jesus-loving church, but uh, fill in your blank? And this is how I would look at this. When Satan fills their heart and they're allowed to be part of the community and an important part of the community, it makes this, the culture that everybody sees and touches and feels, very different. This is... A hard thing. Okay. Church is being established. I know this is kind of like an all-over-the-place message, but <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I, I don't really care. <laughs> no, I just need to say these things. I want, I want, as the leader, our culture to be Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused, and about Jesus. I want the practices that we set up in our church to support that culture. I want our structures to enable the practices to build a Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused culture. So when we talk about our structures, the things that we do, the, the places in which our practices live, um, those are meetings, those are small groups, those are, are different things that we are, are coming together in and, and um, the worship gathering on Sunday morning, 
the youth group gathering, the small group, encouragement one-on-one, meeting at each other's homes, those are, those are structures where we, get to get to get at, where we get together and we do the practices of the church. The practices of the church are, are, are they're disciple-making, they're, they're financial things, they're, they're, um, they're facility-oriented things, they're care systems, care practices, how we do pastoral care, they are um, how, we, how we follow up with volunteer or how we follow up with visitors or how we uh, engage in volunteer life. Those are all those different practices. How we train new leaders to be disciple makers. Those are all the practices. And all these structures have to live inside of them so that they are done regularly, right? So here's what, have anybody heard of Conway's Law? Anybody know that if I say Conway's Law? If you're a, a computer programmer, you might have heard it. Conway's Law is is uh, the law that every organization designs a system that mirrors their own ability to communicate. So churches are the worst. We will create a system that will only go so far because we can't go any further than that. This is why you have numbers and numbers of churches that are like 88 people. Like legitimately, how big is my church? 85 85, 85. Why? Because you design a system that can only go as far as one person can communicate. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking the ability to talk to everybody in the church, the ability to, to disciple and develop leaders. There's only, you can only go so far with that, right? I, and some leaders aren't even really good at doing those particular things to build churches. And so that's a structure within an organization that self-limits. Now, here's what's interesting. And this is the core of the text of six, chapter six. They acknowledge really fast that this group of leaders, were, we can't get any bigger or add any more to our number if we continue to do these things. We need to find people to do these ministries so that the elders and apostles can be, continue to preach the word of God and, and be out sharing Jesus. The first church got it. They're like, yeah, Amen. we know how to do this. Let's just go find other people. But it started with what? One person or a little group of people said, my mom, who's a widow, is not getting enough dinner. If this were allowed to persist for generations, like it has, the culture of the church would look like garbage, kind of like kale. That's an old reference to anybody who went to church back in 2018 here. <laughs> but when this was addressed with honesty, openness, community, and the true culture of Jesus-centered, it was handled in a way that allowed the church to go more and more and more. So here's the point. As we encounter this, whether it's your opinion on kids' ministry or your opinion on student ministry or your opinion on what kind of shoes Mark and I wear or your opinion on whatever your opinion is on, which I welcome, I am committing as your leader and leader of the board to do our best to approach it like Acts 6. 
and that we will try to be transparent, honest, and appropriate so that the mission of Jesus can continue to go and we won't get bogged down in making sure Meals on Wheels is happening. This little person is, and thank you, Steve, is important. Just like I'm this little person. If my ambition goes off the rails, you can see how that could take us into some really crazy lands. This person matters and cannot be divorced from this culture. And if we come together in community with true desire to see Jesus' kingdom advance, you'll feel value and you'll feel like a contributor. And that's what I care so much about. Verse 7 of chapter 6, after they dealt with this conflict, so God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. My desire is for us to have an Acts-type church experience. I've ha- There's probably a, list of bu- a bunch of lists. I have four things I'd love to see as your leader happen at Casper Alliance Church. New believers. New communities form, small groups, people who gather in each other's homes, who care for one another. Church planting. As we see in this next section, as a church begins to expand exponentially, they're planting all over the place. Church planting is something I'd love to see us be a part of. This is the last one. Bye, sweetie. Dynamic manifestations of the Spirit of God. To where we can claim things like Roxanne, There was a healing that happened to where as we go out in the power and authority of the spirit of God, we have the boldness and the preaching. Now, it'll be interesting if I, if I go down to one of the coffee shops and I, I see (laughs) Leah Weefy in there preaching to people, that'd be, I could see it. I could see it. But, but, but frankly, isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? I mean, we're not holding court, but like, isn't that what we want? We want to see the good news of Jesus expand. So I think Jesus can be advanced over biscuits and gravy. It's a powerful thing. It can happen. But the manifestations of the Spirit of God, dynamic manifestations to where God's power can only be given credit. Nothing that you can do or I can do, but the power of God. That's what I would like to see us experience as a church New believers, new communities, church planting, and and the Spirit of God moving in all of us so that his work is done, not our, you know, neat little ideas. All right. (laughs) That's right. Man. (laughs) Rick is like, why'd you call me out? (laughs) I know. I can can run away from you. (laughs) All right, last thing, and, I'm, and then I'm praying. For us right now in this particular moment, what does that take? What is that gonna take? Trust. Trusting the elders and the leaders. This is why I'm inviting you on Tuesday to come and just hear our heart. Trust. Communication. 
Let's be clear about what we're trying to accomplish. Let's be clear about who we are. Let's be clear on the culture of what we're, what our, our value. Let's be clear. Col- communication clarity is different than transparency. Transparency is saying, bless you, when I've screwed up, I'm willing to stand before you and say, I've screwed up. We're willing to have a conversation with each other. You can see my life beyond this caricature on Sunday morning. The last thing, which is the hardest, I believe, is action. We don't just get to sit and wait because the charge has already been given. The upper room experience has already happened. Go make disciples. The Spirit of God has already come at Pentecost. It's inhabiting all of us believers So the charge to go and act is already there. But when we do it in community together, it's a win. It's a win. All right, let me pray. Thank you for uh, tolerating that all over the place talk. I'll put those back together later. Father, thank you for this uh, patient church. (laughs) Lord, help us have a, a restful Sunday afternoon. Continue to teach us through your word. Um... We love you, Lord. We're grateful for what you're doing. Shape us into the church you've called us to be. Christ's name, amen. Amen. So I didn't think that this would happen, and I'm going to dismiss you in 10 seconds. I didn't think that Acts would be kind of uh, an out loud uh, explanation of where we are as a church, but I'm taking advantage of the book of Acts being an out loud explanation of where we are as a church, and I'm, I'm excited with it. So as we're going through it, this is we're, I'm explaining in real time who we are as a church trying to. If I'm not doing a great job of it, well, I can keep, pra- I'll keep practicing. I got next week. Um, so we are going, this is, we will get into some of the weeds on, on the Acts text, but it's giving us an opportunity to talk out loud about church and who we are as a church. Have a great Sunday afternoon.